Broadcasting from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia to around the globe. You're listening to Shark Bite Biz, your exclusive place for business strategy, sales, marketing, and tech in the roaring 20s. And now, here's your host, David Strausser. It's that time again. Yes, indeed. I'm your host, David Strausser, and welcome to another special episode of Shark Bite Biz. Your place to chat business strategy during the ongoing global pandemic. Today's episode is really, really special. Some, like me, might even say legendary. We'll get into that in a moment. But first, let's talk a little bit about business. The music industry has been hit extremely hard. It's not just major rock stars or people like Taylor Swift that's been essentially put out of work due to the pandemic. It's affecting a ton of people. People who work at stadiums for security, roadies, companies that produce tour t-shirts, food vendors, the whole industry has been put on hold and it's hurting more people than just the successful artists out there. Smaller talents are people who depend on those talents in the small business community are suffering just as well. If you own a bar that usually puts on live music, you haven't been able to do that. Why? Well, one, because you probably can't have people in the bar right now. But even if you could, social distancing, you know, it's just not practical yet to have the live shows. Some places are, but for many, you're not. And it's an industry that really affects all of us in one way or another. It's the trickle-down effect. Enter today's guest, somebody who has been at the helm of the changes for the past nearly 50-plus years. He has witnessed the industry's ups, disco, I mean, sorry, I mean downs, (laughs) and everything in between. Even with that, he has been on the forefront of the digital transformation of the music industry and is also a small business owner as he owns two of his own record labels. So who are we talking about? Jack Douglas, somebody who has gone through career transformations. He originally started out as a folk musician and then he converted into an engineer and that led to him eventually being a producer. And he has produced hits from Patti Smith, Blue Oyster Cult, New York Dolls, Cheap Trick, and the classic rock icons, Aerosmith. And that includes hits like Walk This Way, Sweet Emotion, and the legendary classic rock album, Rocks. He also worked with Alice Cooper, Hollywood Vampires, even John Lennon. He started with him as an engineer around the Imagine album. They built an amazing friendship, and he actually produced all of John's work and Yoko's up until John's so tragic passing. This guy's resume really speaks volume to his talent and his place in music history. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Mr. Jack Douglas. Creative and innovation tips. Hi, Jack. Welcome to Shark Bite Biz. I've got to say it's a huge honor to have you here, sir. Hello, David. Nice to be here. Yeah. Nice to be no problem. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There are these times, right? So, very first question that I have for you, it's a tradition here. It's very softball. Obviously, I know who you are, but can you tell mm-hmm. some of the listeners All that right. might not recognize your name who you are exactly? 
But do I know who I am? <laughs> I hope you do. <laughs> okay, my name is Jack Douglas, a musician, a film and TV scorer, recording engineer, a producer, and and a dad. Yeah, no, that's amazing. <laughs> that was a very modest intro for who you are, because I need to put it into perspective for some of the listeners out there. Jack isn't just a regular like producer. You have produced some of the biggest albums out there, at least to me, including Aerosmith. Well, Cheap Trick. We were just speaking about, you know, you, you've worked with John Lennon. So, you know. Alan Ginsberg. How about that one? Oh, wow. <laughs> I co-produced an Alan Ginsberg album with Bob Dylan. Actually, it was fun. You've had a lot of fun throughout your, your career. Yes. That's for sure. And, you know, full disclosure for everybody, I'm a huge fan of Jack's, as well as I'm a huge Aerosmith fan, as many of my listeners already know. And, you know, I'd like to ask you, this is one of my fandom questions. What mm -hmm. What is your favorite Aerosmith song? Back in the Saddle. Back in the Saddle. Why is it Back in the Saddle? I, I just, I like everything. I like the performance. I like the how ferocious it is. I think uh, as far as the band writing their own material, they were at the top of their game at, when it came to rocks. And it kicks off, you know, my favorite Aerosmith album. And I think it just, it's, it just says it all. It's my favorite, I guess. That, that's and that's maybe amazing. my second favorite is uh, Kings and Queens, which I Kings and Queens. <laughs> Kings and Queens is my my favorite song. I always liked it uh, from a young age because it's got like that fantasy type feel to it to me. And I, I don't know. I always it's deep. It feels dark to me, and it's just a yeah. beautiful song. But with the the. Back with the Rocks album, that's one album that many refer to as the best Aerosmith album of all time. I, I would have to agree. <laughs> you know, even, excuse me. I would have oh, to no agree. problem. I just think that it was the one that came closest to what where the band was at, mm -hmm. and and the the way we recorded it, especially, it made it seem like. Everything about it, even the keys of the songs and the whole and the structure, was all mm -hmm. built around, and the writing was all built around the room we were recording in, which was right. a warehouse, right in uh, Waltham, Mass. So we we never meant to do our recording there. We were only going to do our pre-production. Pre-production for Aerosmith albums always meant uh, at least two months of <laughs> because they were on the road and they didn't write on the road. Right. They would they would come to pre-production with germs and everything <laughs> would be created there. So everything was created in that room. Every day I would go into that warehouse and put a hang a rug or put a couch somewhere or to make the room more bearable. And then we started writing and we would write so that they sounded good in the room. And so when That's it awesome. came, came time to record, it was we should just record right here, right where we're set up. Wow. Just live, and, and it'll sound like what we had in our minds when we were writing this and putting it together. And it and they were on top of the game, and they were, you know, the drugs were working. <laughs> uh, you know, they were more recreational, and yeah, and yeah, it just. Uh, I mean, there was a. We had very strict uh, routine. We went to the gym in the morning, worked out. We got to the studio, the, the warehouse at eleven. We worked until uh, eight or nine o'clock at night, and uh, after that, we partied. 
Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I've heard a lot of different stories just from Steven's side, Joe's side, about recording during the, the Rocks period. And I'm sure some of them are true and some of them, you know, they wish that <laughs> they think maybe was true. Mm. But, you know, and that's really interesting that you were somebody that was there to put this in perspective. I mean, you were on Toys in the Attic with Walk This Way, Sweet Emotion. Uh, get your wings with same old song and dance. I mean, you've had a number of Aerosmith hits, and you know that's a direction that that you've went. So that that's really cool to hear it from somebody that was actually there, helping produce and formulate those albums. That that's what you feel. Now, I'd like to ask you about another person that you've also recorded with. I think uh, you know the classic album "Imagine" by John Lennon. You were also a part of that as well, too. Well, I, I was a part of it as uh, an engineer. So I, a lot of the work was already done in Tittenhurst in England. And then he moved to New York and he brought the record to New York. And Phil Spector was uh, right. a hero of mine. And I, I got to work with John and it was very uh, under really weird circumstances mm-hmm. because I was put on the record as the... Uh, as the transfer and editing engineer, which put me in another room Mm -hmm. and, you know, away from the action. And one day, uh, you know, three, four days into the project, maybe, maybe a week at the most, he came into the room where I was working, looking for a little solace, looking for a place that was quiet or whatever. And he sat in my room and we got to talking and I told him about my uh, adventures in Liverpool in yeah. 1965 and and I was you know I, the week that rubber soul came out for example I was there I bought the album maybe the second day it came out <laughs> and that week uh because of uh, various circumstances I was on the cover of uh, Liverpool's biggest newspaper a big picture of me and my <laughs> That's adventures awesome. and and, and when we got to talking, and uh, I, I was deported shortly after. Hold on, hold on. You, you, you got deported from England? I got deported from Liverpool for working without a work permit. Oh. Band. Ooh. But, but I had escaped from a ship, uh, and that's what all <laughs> to do was about. And, uh, and so he remembered, we got to talking, and he remembered these two guys that were was my other bandmate and myself on the front pages of English newspapers. The week that Rubber Soul came out, they all talked mm-hmm. about who are these two crazy guys. Right. And when he found out it was me and I was editing his and making transfers of his music, he thought that that was uh, something uh, that had come from the stars. <laughs> it was meant to be. It was meant to be. And so he said, you've got to work on the record on said come on into the main room when you finish your work and now you're working on this record and and we both lived in the village and it turned into a friendship and then pretty soon he asked me if i would do all the yoko's recordings all of her experimental stuff and so you know i did a bunch of uh, yoko things with john producing and then i did the christmas song Mm -hmm. Uh, so it is christmas Right. Uh, I worked on that with him and uh, a bunch of other stuff over the years until I went out to uh, California. I was producing Alice Cooper 
at uh, I love Alice Sunset Cooper. Sound. Yeah, I was producing Alice. I don't know if Sunset you can Sound. see it, but right up there is my Alice Cooper picture. I'm a huge Alice fan too. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so I was part of that whole craziness in California. Right. Although I was the sober guy, so uh, I would usually drive the getaway car. And oh, then he came back to New York. He retired and and then uh, asked me to produce his comeback album, which was wow. Double Fantasy. That, that That's quite the story. I mean, I'm just kind of here, a little bit in awe, just hearing somebody that was there, part of the, the musical history that you've been. It, it's really, to me, it's quite amazing, like I said. But I'd like to make a little bit of a pivot into the mm-hmm. music industry. Oh, by the way, I... Oh, yeah, go ahead. I just... I just uh, I, I worked with George over that period as well. Uh, yeah? On the concert for Bangladesh. And just recently worked with uh, Ringo and Paul on a song of Ringo's. And I did the all the string arrangements. Wow. Me. So, like, just recently being, like, now, you just worked like with Ringo. a few Ringo. months ago, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That, it's all, that's uh, amazing. It's the, it's the song Grow Old With Me, which John wrote, and I brought to Ringo and said, you should record this. Wow. that that That's amazing. How has, so obviously you worked with John in the past, but did you work with Paul or Ringo back then as well too? No, I didn't, no. Okay. Uh, but they, you know, they. Uh, the reason I work with George is because uh, recommended that I work with George when he was looking for someone to work with. And and then I became friends with Ringo. And then mm-hmm. I brought him this song. And I said, he was doing a new album. I said, you should do this one. You know, John's only demoed it. Yeah. And and it would be good for you. And it's his wife's favorite song, Ringo song. Wow. Again, I mean, <laughs> and that, Paul that's said, just I'm in town, but Why don't I play bass on? Wow, it's funny how those things kind of just allied. It's really cool. So I did want to try to pivot a little bit more into the music industry since this is, Mm. you know, business podcast and we like talking about how things have changed. And Mm -hmm. you've been, as you know, it's well established right now that you've been around in the industry for a long time. Everybody knows how, you know, you went through the transformation from vinyl to digital but how would you, as an insider view... And, and back, that, to, man, back to vinyl. Yeah, yeah. Vinyl is coming back popular again. I mean, how yeah, do you is. view that transformation that's all happened? You know, I mean, look, we started recording on Edison cylinders. So, you know, it, it was bound to, to, to make improvements and leap. I mean, I thought uh, the CD sounded great because, you know, vinyl, after a while, you had clicks and pops and... Although the uh, the first time you played it, it sounded better than anything. Right. Uh, but, you know, digital was cleaner. Uh, and and as the and as the recording of it uh, uh, improved, I, I didn't go to digital recording, although I'm credited for doing the first rock digital album in 77. Oh, wow. On on 3M digital machine. That was tape. So I was wow. experimenting with uh, with digital back then, and I did the uh, Rick Dufay, who became a member of Aerosmith. Yeah, yeah, during Rock Rock in a Hard Place, right? Yeah. So I did his solo album for Polydor. Uh, I did that uh, digitally, and so 
you know, it was a very low sampling rate, but it sounded cool, but it didn't really compare to analog. And I still prefer to use analog. In, in the, my studio in Los Angeles, I have two Studer uh, tape machines, a 24-track and a 16-track that I can run together. And I like to mix to analog, but I have all the bells for digital. And after I record to analog, I transfer to digital and I work. That, that becomes a process that I work right. in. So, you know, you have to be able to combine the best of everything in order to, to make records today. But what is really cool is that people are making pretty good recordings in their home. Oh, yeah. With the, yeah, and, you know, I, w- I, would, I would guess that most of the, most of the stuff in the uh, urban top 50 and a lot of the <laughs> pop top 50 right. has all been created in computer. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd probably guess that too. One thing that I hear from older bands, like classic rock bands, like an Aerosmith, is that a lot of them talk about, you know, kind of like what you were just talking about with the digital transformation that the industry had. Whereas old school, uh, when you were doing Walk This Way, let's say, you, you'd be doing a full live recording for the most part, right? Well, uh, yeah, because that was a band that sounded best live. Okay. And, and uh, I mean, yeah, we saved guitar solos and mm-hmm. vocals uh, for, for later and, you know, and various overdubs. But that's why we were able to do the early records, like Get Your Wings, on 16-track. Right, be right. unheard of. No, you could do it on 16-track. And then T- Toys in the Attic was done 24-track, and the rest of them were done 24. But, but um other bands, I mean, I work with artists. Now. Sometimes we do a whole rhythm section. Sometimes mm-hmm. we don't. I, there's just no rules anymore. But I do like to hear musicians work off of each other. Yeah, and 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 work off a live vocal. That that energy, the actual that vibe. Yeah. It's it's hard to duplicate if you're just kind of playing your you know playing to a song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, you. of course, everyone's doing it. You lay the drums first, you lay a bass over it. I have an artist that I work with. I record him with a click, an acoustic guitar, and a vocal first. Mm-hmm. And then I eventually erase all of that. He plays drums to the acoustic guitar and the vocals, and then yeah. the acoustic guitar goes, and then everything is laid over it. And if you mix it properly, and you can make it sound like it was all done at once. You, wow. you, know, you just have to make sure that it's has some imperfections in it. Right, right, right. No, that that's great. What about the digital distribution of music? Okay, so I guess let me frame that question up a little bit. Like I just had Brian Vanderark, lead singer of the Verb Pipe here last week, and one of the things that he was saying about this is that his former number one hit, The Freshman, I guess it would have been quarter two, got 4 million plays on streaming services and he only got paid like a total of 250 bucks for stuff like that. Streaming service is good for the consumers, but do you think it's actually fair to the people, artists, producers like you guys? You know, because of the size of my catalog, Mm -hmm. um, there was a real, there was a time when it was being pirated. Oh yeah. Uh, the streaming services weren't paying and there was just a, a you know, the, the amount of royalties just went down the toilet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's when all of us producers had to charge a lot of money right. to make a record up front. 
because we weren't going to make much on the backside. Right. And then finally, streaming started to uh, catch up a bit. Now, if you're an indie artist, you're not going to make much money. Your record is basically to promote your live Live shows. Yeah. Uh, My catalog, which is um, pretty enormous and has a lot of music that's continuously played, and even uh, people are still buying hard copies of some of the music. I mean, Patti Smith, oh, that yeah. never goes away. Aerosmith, Walk This Way, away. things like that, yeah. Well, the whole catalog. Mm-hmm. And, and so streaming has caught up now. And, uh, and between streaming and hard copy on my catalog, it surpassed what yeah. I made you know, 10 years ago. Right, right, uh, right. It's better now. But uh, for a new indie artist, um, it's it's really rough. You're promoting your record. You might as well give the record away. Right. Uh, for the most part. Right. The trade-off is, you know, you're, you're using it as promotion for the live shows where you're able to really kind of make your money back in merchandise and stuff like that, which actually... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that brings me up to my next question because... Well, one thing oh, I, yeah. I want to point out... Is that it costs a lot less now to make a record? Oh yeah, than it did when you know our our budgets for our records were phenomenal, mm-hmm. uh, and now it costs you know barely anything. As in a home studio, it costs nothing for the most part. So record companies so aren't paying costs a lot less. Yeah, I mean, but they're not dishing out the big contracts like they were in days they past will, because of that. they will they will dish out a big contract to uh, an urban or pop star mm-hmm. up front. Okay. And not on the, on the basis of this much per record, this much per record, because, but up front. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, they're smart to get their money up front. Oh, they yeah. They'll pay millions of dollars for, the, for who they think is going to be hot. Yeah, yeah. And then they're also taking a piece of their live and their publishing and everything else. It's a, what they call a 360 deal. Oh, yeah. They're taking part of their merchandising mm-hmm. and everything else. So, in a way, it almost evens out. Okay. Okay. So, what I wanted to bring up there, too, because we just mentioned like the indie artist, uh, you know, you're coming out with an album. It's almost like giving it away just to promote the live shows. We're in the middle of a global pandemic. There are no shows. Uh, this is really affected people and devastated some in the music industry, hasn't it? Well, yeah, but you you have to realize it's devastated. A guy who owns a restaurant. Oh, yes, yeah. devastated everyone. So this is a, this is across the board yep. problem. Not it's not the recording industry and the artists are not suffering any more or less than everyone else. We're all in this one together. That's um, an excellent point because what I was going yes. to bring up too mm-hmm. is like, look, when we were all put into quarantine orders, you had. A lot of artists, you know, they're in quarantine, too. What did they do? They just started streaming Facebook Live and started playing some of their hits for fans. And that really showed yeah. that. Yeah, you've got to figure out a way to to do it. Like I said, I, you know, Jay and I came up with this mixing and mastering service, which we do completely online because I'm not walking into a studio. Right. And neither is he. So, um you know, that's what that's what we're that's what we're doing. So you have to come up with something. As a producer, I can produce and mix. I can mix online. 
and yeah. master. Yeah. Uh, and I can score a film, but I'm lucky that I'm able. I was in the middle of a film in England mm-hmm. in January. I was on set. Oh, wow. And can really you tell us what film? film? Let There Be Love was the work title. Okay. It was, we were shooting in York, uh, yep. England, on a very old, an ancient city. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and I came back to New York to start writing a jazz score for it. Had all my musicians, had the studio booked, and the, and the producer called me up and said, we're shut down. Uh, so, you know, it was a, it was a blow. Uh, so uh, right now they've gone back to work in England on a different film I'm right. working on. But uh, I'll see it. Uh, I'll see it tomorrow night. I'll see a rough cup of it, and I'll start scoring uh, on... Friday. So it'll take me. Yeah. Yeah. What I'm hearing from you is basically, you know, and that's the heart and soul of what this, what this show is about. That's why I started the shark bite biz podcast, because a lot of people are suffering out there with their business, whether it's in the music industry, a restaurant, a small little mom and pop shop. And they don't always have the answers as far as how to make those pivots in order to survive and that's why I wanted to bring on experts like you as well as other business owners to kind of explain what they did to help as many people as we can. Yeah. I mean, if you play an instrument, if you play piano or if you play guitar, mm-hmm. if you've if you got any kind of recording, now is the time to write. If you're an artist, you yeah. should be writing and and uh, it's time to create. Um, so, uh, you know, oh, no, it, you know, that 100 that's the best thing I could. Yeah. We're, we're all in this for a while. It's gonna. It's a rough ride. Do you think it's uh, going to linger around till next year, or how pessimistic, I, optimistic I, are you? I think I'm, I'm optimistic that by by next summer uh, <laughs> we'll be uh, we'll be getting back together. Uh, Maybe late spring. Uh, you know, I don't no. think most people thought that we would be here in mid August and we would still be teetering on lockdowns or no lockdowns. This has definitely been drawn out more than we thought. Yeah. Well, I don't want to get into the politics. Oh, neither do I, neither do I believe me. I follow you on Facebook. I, I, I follow (laughs) you. I totally agree. (laughs) And I've seen where I, yeah, but it is, uh, you know, we had an Ebola uh, a pandemic. Two people died. Yeah, different, different. Uh, enough said. Yeah, different times, <laughs> different things. Uh, so yeah. you gave us some really good advice there as far as just pivoting, creating, stuff like that. What are you seeing, though, as far as trends? I mean, are you seeing people are actually creating more during these times? I do. I watch a lot of uh, live uh, videos and then there's a, you know, they pass the hat uh, and I've, and I've contributed whatever I can. I can't be the only one contributing. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, I, you know, you, somebody with a guitar and a voice and if it's good and if uh, I think it's cool and they ask for a contribution, I throw it their way. Okay. Okay. So we have about time. I mean, we yeah. have, go ahead. We have to help each other out here oh, as yeah. well. You know, yeah, we really do. I, I think, honestly, so, that's... I mean, it's just... Yeah, I think that's... If good. an artist comes to me and 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 
the stuff that I'm mixing, for example, I mixed a single song, Jay and I mixed a single song for an artist. And he said, I have 12 more songs I'd like to mix, but I can't afford to right. do it. So, you know, we, we will work with you because we have to. Right. You know, we, you, you need to get your thing out there and, and uh, we want to help you. That's great. I love hearing that. I mean, that's just showing how, I mean, you're, you're somebody that's extremely successful throughout your career, and yet you're still humble enough and compassionate enough that you care about the industry to be willing to help other people that are struggling like that. Well, I mean, I have to, you know, we have to think about what this industry did for me. Right. I, I know Stephen, and he's the same way. He's always ready to give back. I know, you know, a lot of my artist friends are always ready to give back. Oh, yeah, definitely. That That's great. That's we, great. We do. You know, we're, we didn't, uh, I mean, a good number of us would be bag boys at ShopRite. You know? Oh, it's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> we, you know, we weren't qualified for that much. Um, I, you know, I was lucky enough to have the, be able to, to score. Yeah. Um, the funny thing was when I was, I got hired at record plant in New York, mm -hmm. get hired as the janitor. And so I've come a long way during the day. I, I would do my janitorial uh, uh, commitments. And then at night I was a client because I was scoring ABC after school TV shows. Wow. So it was like, it was like a weird situation. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's pretty <laughs> odd. That's pretty odd. But we do have time for about like one more one more final question. And again, just for the fandom of the music industry, I want to go back to a fun story. Can you tell us one of your favorite, maybe lesser known stories that's not out there written about a million times about, you know, any artist, whoever you'd like, just one of your personal favorite stories about a, a recording with somebody? I guess, you know, so much of my stories are out there, like where Walk This Way came from. Right. I'm sure you know that story. Okay, so I'll, I'll tell you a, a Patti Smith story. Oh, yeah. Uh, we, were, we were doing the Radio Ethiopia um, al uh, album, and there was a title track, the Radio Ethiopia. And, and, and uh, Patti, who didn't really play guitar that well, but she had Jimi Hendrix, one of Jimi Hendrix's guitars. Yeah. Um, and um, so it, this whole doing this Radio Ethiopia was going to be a very spiritual we tried it a few times and she would stop and say, tonight's not the night to do this. And we would do another track and we put it off and we put it off and we put it off. And then um, a hurricane hit oh. New York, a terrible hurricane. No traffic was allowed. I lived in then in uh, Montclair, New Jersey. Okay. So across yeah. the Hudson river. Mm -hmm. And she called me up from her apartment uh, it was just terrible out. And she said, you know what? Tonight's the night. I said, you could be kidding. There's a hurricane. There's a hurricane. <laughs> and she said, I don't care. This is the, this is it. This violent storm is bringing the, the mojo. <laughs> and so, um, I had to drive from, there was no traffic and, and my car was getting blown all over the road. I could barely see, um, you know, I, when I finally got to the Lincoln Tunnel, it was like, oh, a cop actually stopped yeah. me and said, what are you doing? 
what are you doing out here? And I told him what I was doing. And he said, all right, go ahead. He's a Patty Smith fan. <laughs> That's and, awesome. uh, and, and um, I got into the studio and uh, it was so bad. We were on the ground floor of Studio A that water was coming into the actual room. And um, while we were playing, uh, while I was recording it, I had my assistant putting sandbags up against every crack and crevice oh to stop the water that was coming. The wind was whistling and, and she picked up uh, Jimmy's guitar and, and she looked up and said, uh, help me, Jimmy. <laughs> and uh, literally and it was one of Jimmy's guitars. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's an amazing, amazing story. So tell me, Jack, how can people get in touch with you if they need to reach out for your production services or anything? Do you have a website or anything? It's uh, Well, you can reach me at uh, U-N-K-L-E-R-E-M-I-X. It's Uncle Remix with a K, <laughs> one at gmail.com. Okay, uh, I'll also be posting that on the description as well, too. Okay, great. Yeah. Well, it was great. No, it was great you. talking with you. I mean, honestly, it's been such an honor. I view you as legendary for all that you were able to bring to us that I have enjoyed personally throughout my whole life. And I hope once this global pandemic is over by mid next summer, we get you back on here to yeah, talk uh, about I think, it. I think late spring. late spring, you know, and some other time because I came up in the music business when it was run by gangsters. Oh, yeah. And so if you want to talk about the, what the music music business end of it was like during that period i would be happy to oh, talk to you about some I about history the history of the music you know what we might do a bonus episode give me about a week or two i'll reach out to you and we'll do another okay. recording sir thank you again so much okay. jack very good wow i'm speechless really i don't know if i'm speechless or i'm starstruck but that was amazing okay hold on let me rephrase that Jack Douglas is amazing. Look, there's something I just really want to point out. As we reach success, some of us let that success go to our heads. How many sales reps out there or business owners, once they start making it, they get this huge ego. I've been there. They get arrogant and they're cocky. They're not real fun to deal with. Yeah, you need some arrogance. You need some ego. You know, that ego, arrogance, it does drive people to do more, to do better. Competition's good. But let's just take a step back. Did you hear how Jack introduced himself when I asked him for his background and his experience? Wow. Talk about being humble with all that he has done and accomplished in his life. And that's how he so humbly introduces himself. That's a really big thing that I think people need to keep in mind as they start reaching different levels of success. Being humble is one of those critical factors that are needed for maintaining success. Don't let that go to your head and then you end up crashing and burning because people just don't want to work with you. Unless you're that good that people can only work with you, 
got to maintain that degree of humbleness to really get ahead in life. Recognize others around you that have helped you build the success. So that was some pretty good conversation there. I mean, put the Ringo Starr and Paul McCartney story aside. Listen to how he has digitally transformed. Ringo records something, sends the file back to Jack. Jack then edits it and produces it using a software. I think he said he was using Avid, if I remember correctly. And then I guess he was casually hanging out with Paul McCartney, you know, just like everybody does. Asked Paul to lay down the baseline, edits it again, and then uploads it back to Ringo for review. Is that as efficient as doing the process in one shot in person? Probably not. But... He has forced himself to digitally transform, and he really gave a rocking example of how he actually did it. Yes, this was a music-based interview, but some of the topics out there for business are kind of universal. I mean, they're really valid to most business owners, business people, especially if you're in the creative type business. His advice to use this time to rebrand and all that good stuff is critical moving forward. We've heard this time and time again from business owners and experts of all types on this show. The trends and data that you have really aren't valid right now. The buying trends, historical data, I mean, throw it out the window. It's no longer valid. You may be thinking, well, March was about six months ago, so now we kind of have some trends. And yeah, Maybe for some businesses you have some trends, but I would still argue that that's probably not accurate because we're in a rapidly evolving situation. What you can do is use this time, really trust your instincts and find out exactly what your customers' needs are during this time period and use this time to reevaluate how you do business, how you brand, how you promote yourself how you get yourself out there. So tell me, what did you all think? Amazing interview, right? I loved it. Like I said, I'm still starstruck. Jack is incredible. And I'm definitely going to have him back on the show again. So let's do this. Something fun. Usually I ask for a business-related topic in the comment section. Today, how about you tell us, what's your favorite Jack Douglas song? Okay, something a little bit different. Tell us your favorite song that Jack Douglas had worked on. There's a ton of them out there. And I think when you're Google searching that to see the list of songs that he has produced or co-produced, you'll be pretty amazed with how many hits are in there. So did you love this video? If you did, please help me do the trifecta. Subscribe, like, comment, and share. Okay, okay. (laughs) I, I know, there was four there, but... Trifecta just sounded better. What can I say? We have incredible advice for business people of all types and backgrounds to really help get the word out. And let's build this community. Share this out there. This is with Jack Douglas. Like I said, this video, some really good solid business advice and some fun discussion around the music industry. Thank you all again for checking this out. And we'll see you all next episode. Bye. Thank you for listening to Shark Bite Biz.
We hope you got some insightful info from this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and visit us on the web at www.sharkbitebiz.com. How has business changed for you in the 20s? Email us at podcast at sharkbitebiz.com so you can join us and share your story. 